the series of articles you wrote are really fascinating. We could probably go through each of them, you know, right from the opening of like your FBI war on folk music. You know, one thing I was surprised to learn partly about the larger history of the Communist Party and the mm-hmm. prevalence of artists and musicians involved was also like Woody Guthrie, who like was the uh, like an important like thorough line in the beginning and how he was, you know, a communist that was under surveillance. And then mm-hmm. as he began to uh, suffer from Huntington's, uh, the FBI was like, we don't need to yeah. watch him anymore, right? He is, there's no threat or risk from him. And, you know, the books that you're reviewing, The Heavy rad- Radicals and the Threat of the First Magnitude, um, are really fascinating in like painting a fuller image of political mm-hmm. repression for us, especially mm-hmm. with like kind of amazing how much we have access to through the FOIA requests <laughs> and FBI yeah, zone for our yeah. archives. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know, I'm, do they also themselves see music as a battleground the way that the Communist Party must have understood it? Or did they did they see it in even more explicitly political terms? Was it that they were just going after communists and communists happened to be in the music realm? Like what was, you know, we ta- we've talked about how these companies are commodifying music, but what were like political entities seeing music's role as before before the ascent of like the conservative groups that had a very specific thing in mind you know what what was their idea about what it could do what it could serve its threats and its its dangers from what yeah you i'll jump yeah. in there real quick to say as well i don't think we've ever actually acknowledged the fact that the name of this podcast this machine kills <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh yes yes of course directly inspired by woody guthrie's famous you know this machine kills fascist and Mm-hmm. And really, you know, coming up with the name of the podcast, really trying to think about how, you know, his kind of really radical cultural politics, um, how can we do something similar through a kind of radical techno politics? So, mm-hmm. I mean, the through line there is quite explicit, uh, even if we've never really mentioned it before. Larry <laughs> <laughs> no. boy, we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. If you read Aaron J. Leonard's books, uh, he's the author of the three books, uh, Threat of the First Magnitude, Heavy Radicals, and the one that I reviewed, uh, The Folk Singers in the Bureau, which was, I think that's the only one of the three to actually look at music in particular. Um, But you read that one and you realize right off uh, the bat that actually the FBI, and more particular McCarthyism, you know, like uh, the House on American Activities Committee, all of that, I mean, they viewed communists anywhere as a threat. They literally had, you know, they'll find a way to influence in the world of mathematics if they uh, try hard enough, I I think many of them would say. And so they'd try to, you know, they'd go to like math departments in colleges and say, you know, fire this mathematician. Um, Right. So like they they viewed communists anywhere as a threat. Uh, but there's some specific parts in the book where they talk about not just a communist party, but the well, well the, the FBI's fear of, of communists using art to propagate so, uh, socialist ideas. They absolutely saw it as a, a huge threat. It's sort of the mirror opposite of what I said in the, in the free episode, which is if the problems of art can't be solved uh, just within art, they require larger social solutions. Then also you can't just repress art by only focusing on art. It has to be part of a larger project, a larger political project that's about full spectrum political repression. You know, so it becomes a game of whack-a-mole 
you know, if you go after the communists and the unions, you also have to go after the communists in the recording studios. If you go after the communists in the recording studios, you also have to go after the communists who are working as librarians. You know, so it really is just, and, and ultimately what you get to is just the, the undeniable conclusion that ultimately keeping capitalism in power necessitates a regulation of what we can see and hear and the cultural expression that we can interact with. Uh, if, if capitalism is to maintain itself, then it needs that type of regulation. And that can be done softly, quote unquote, softly through the market, or it can be done directly and with through the, the fist of repression. One thing I was interested in was how, despite the suppression, I mean, the suppression worked in that some of the more emancipatory visions they wanted to see throughout the culture ended up not manifesting, right? Mm -hmm. But that even the fact that we can still, or maybe within the culture, we still look back at that sort of music as like uh, with nostalgia and with fondness in a mm -hmm. way that mm -hmm. can't be crushed even today um, with reactionary turns or the ascent of conservatism does is a little bit uh, inspiring. Do you see the, the, the moves that they took or the actions they took against you know, music in these early days to serve as a sort of, you know, scaffolding or infrastructure for more explicit political projects to uh, fight against music, uh, whether it's in like racialized terms under Reagan or whether it's through hysterias or various hysterical bouts or panics that might come in through uh, over the next few decades. Also thinking here about like Tipper Gore and the move yes. around like censorship mm -hmm. and, you know, adult... Mm -hmm content warnings and things like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um there's absolutely yeah there's a direct through line there really i mean like cultural repression existed before mccarthyism but really mccarthyism does become kind of like a watershed moment it's sort of a moment where the model of how to repress culture and artistic expression was kind of at least in the american context uh kind of um refined to a really effective point so, yeah, I don't think you have the PMRC without the House on American Activities Committee. You don't have the way in which the conversations over hip hop in the 90s uh, played out without McCarthyism. I mean, really, they all have a model. Um, I think they, they all sort of look back, whether consciously or not, to the model of what the House on American Activities Committee was able to do and the kind of cultural repression of the folk of, of folk music. I think there's there's a direct through line there that when the model was was kind of um, streamlined to an effective point. 